You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Recorded in Chicago, Illinois, with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff, this is Triviality. The cream of the crop! Hey everybody, welcome to Triviality. This is Ken, and you're listening to the show where lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Um, we have in the studio Jeff and Neil. How are you guys doing? Doing pretty good. We had a, a good showing uh, earlier today of an episode that will be released, or maybe it was released a week before, but uh, we're feeling pretty high on ourselves today. And uh, we're missing Matt. Uh, I'm not going to make anything up. He's just working. I, I have no uh, energy to bullshit <laughs> right now. He is working, but he's uh, he's touring in the production of 9 to 5 uh, under Dolly Parton's direction. <laughs> but we have the best... <laughs> Why? <laughs> but we have the best replacement... Uh, possible for him, Gary Middleton here in the studio. How you doing? I'm doing great. Glad to hear I'm the best replacement. That's promising. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. I'm uh, also from Illinois, about an hour north of where these guys are at. I'm up near the Wisconsin border in Gurnee. Um, I, I certainly enjoy doing trivia. I may not be uh, the uh, the A player a lot of people are, but I'm working my way towards it. So we'll uh, we'll see what we get. Yeah, we're big fans of Gary. He uh, he put some great questions up uh, on the Trivial Warfare Army. If you're a member of that, and uh, hopefully our soon-to-be uh, Triviality group, uh, we'll get some cool uh, photo collage questions because uh, you, you always write some great questions. So appreciate that. I uh, I certainly like to try and get as creative as I can with that stuff. Uh, the wording questions, uh, I follow your lead as far as nice tie-ins to answers. So. No, thank you. Um, yes, it's uh, well-crafted. So, All right, and on the other end, uh, Skyping in all the way from Ireland, uh, according to her uh, <laughs> Skype signature. Maynooth, Maynooth Ireland, Maynooth. shout out. Erin <laughs> Barclay, how you doing? Hello, I'm good, how are y'all doing? Yeah, welcome back to the show. Thanks. Anything new you since that. you uh, checked in with us last? Um, well, I, I haven't actually lived in Ireland since 2010. Mm-hmm. I'm living in Richmond, Virginia still. And other than that, not a lot. Um, working a few fewer jobs and finally got the trivia company up and going. Nice. Um, it is called Orange Cat Trivia. And the listeners at home can't see, but you guys are going to see Orange Cat pacing back and forth for the next however long the right states. Right over your keyboard, it looks like. Because <laughs> he's a cat, and that's what cats do. <laughs> and uh, today we're, she's going to be hosting. Uh, we're going to ha- be having a two-on-two. As per usual, Jeff and Neil will be teaming up, and me and Gary will be teaming up. And uh, our team name is going to be... Uh, Thanos's big stones. That, okay. That's going to be the last Infinity War reference because now we're like three, four weeks out from Infinity War. So, 
Uh, that's the last time. But Thanos' big stones, I suppose you guys are going to be... Uh, yeah, I guess we'll be uh, Team Triviality, unless you want to be uh, Team Super Soldier Serum. That's, that's hard to say. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah, so we'll just be Team Triviality. <laughs> All right. Fine. Uh, so let's kick it to the rules guy for a uh, recap of the rules. The rules of the game are simple. 20 questions split into two rounds worth 10 points apiece. At halftime, there'll be a special swing round designed by this week's host. After regulation, players will enter the final round with the points that they've accumulated and will have a chance to wager 0 to 30 points on five categorized questions. At the end of the game, someone will be named the cream of the crop. But the cream will rise to the top, oh yeah. And um, we're going to get started here in one second, but uh, can you just tell us where to find your trivia company? Yeah, Orange Cat Trivia on Facebook. It's a mix of events I'll be hosting live, random things I find on the internet, and um, stuff I think is interesting. Fantastic. Well, you can start whenever you're ready. The word tattoo comes from the word for to mark something in the language of this largest French Polynesian island. I hear it is a magical place. We are locked in. Okay, so um, Jeff and I were just having trouble figuring out uh, the, the reference, the clue, the magic clue. Um, we do remember that there was a question on a previous episode uh, about Bora Bora and that French was their uh, main language, but um, we're just not pulling anything else. I mean, um, I know like the Ivory Coast, they speak French there, or Cote d'Azur, or whatever, I forget what it's called. But, Cote d'Azur. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that's an island. So you just want to go. I mean, we can't pull anything other than. I mean, I can think of no other French Polynesian islands off the top of my head than Bora Bora. So. All right, we're going to go um, Bora Bora. All right, so um, for us, Gary wrote uh, Tahiti as a possible French Polynesian island, and I said that could be a magical, magical place because of Moana, so we are going with Tahiti. That makes sense. All right, well, the answer is Tahiti. The reference was from the first season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which apparently nobody in the room saw except me. Oh, I do remember that. <laughs> yeah, and, okay. And uh, uh, Colson keeps going, it was a magical place. Right. And oh, like the sure. first time he does it, you're like, that sounds like a nice vacation spot. Then he does it again. You're like, no, this is like creepy mind control stuff. Mm -hmm. that, I like that. I like that show. I got to catch up. Yeah. I only watched two seasons. It got it got weird, but it's still fun. I love Clark Gregg. But anyway, uh, any, any way we get it, that's fine. Even yeah. if we were wrong. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Just knowing the island, that was enough. Hey, there you go. <laughs> Number two. What color is named for the brand of liqueur it resembles? It is the only color named for a liqueur, and that's L-I-Q-U-E-U-R, not liquor. Okay, we're in. Uh, okay, so Jeff and I are writing some some words down here. Um, I know Midori is, uh, I, I want to say it was the Japanese liqueur, but it's green. It's known for being green. Uh, I'm just trying to think, of, what's the orange one called? Do you know? I have no idea. This is not my category. There's an orange <laughs> liqueur, and I can't think of the name of it. Um, all right, the only one that's coming to my head is Midori. I don't know if it's if it's... Green in Japanese? I don't think so, but uh, can you think of anything else? No. Okay. All right. Uh, we're going to go Midori. And I believe this is uh, chartreuse. Yes. The answer is chartreuse. You guys, Neil and Jeff, uh, Midori does mean green, but you got it backwards. The, the, Midori is named for the color green. Oh, man. This is the color chartreuse is named right for the liqueur. It should be noted that I don't know what chartreuse tastes like, and I don't know what color chartreuse is. It's when I, I have a bottle in my liquor cabinet. I can show you all when, all, when we break. All right, number three. Which three-time Pulitzer Prize-winning newspaper, founded in 1955 in New York City 
announced in late August of last year that it would cease its print edition at a date to be determined. I think I got to leave this one to you. I think um, that's not good. You guys can talk freely. We're we're in. Okay, so Gary, I'm I'm kind of lost on this one. Uh, Gary wrote down the Wall Street Journal, USA Today. I'm wondering if it's just like the New York Post or something like that. Yeah, something exactly. simple. Exactly. Yeah, I was just trying to go off of kind of obscure names, not named after the cities themselves. It certainly could be. I want Wall Street Journal is hard to believe they would stop printing that. In my I, I kind of want to strike that one I, from our options. I think it's older than that as well. Yeah, I, go think, with that? I think New York, New York Post? Post is going to be where we land. All right, we're locked in. What happened was Jeff immediately wrote New York Post, which uh, I wasn't sure if they would have won a Pulitzer Prize before, so we were a little unsure of that. And then we thought of Wall Street Journal and New York Times, and we thought, you know, those are some pretty big papers out of New York, uh, pretty reputable papers. Well, I started thinking of it like they were going out of business, basically. And then I had Aaron reread the question, and I was like, they're online only now. And both the Times and Wall Street Journal are pushing for, like, online only yeah, I mean, kind of publications, as far as I know. I mean, that are not necessarily the the Times, but the Times are doing a lot of podcasts and stuff now. So, I mean, I could see them pulling out of the paper market. Right. So, I mean, it's up to you. I don't really have any bearing in this, but go ahead. Um, you think Wall Street Journal? Sure. Okay, we're going to say the Wall Street Journal. Okay, I maybe could have made the question more specific. Uh, it's a fairly small newspaper. The answer is the Village Voice. Oh, well, that's good to know. Now I learned it. Yep. Right, number four, maybe in one of y'all's wheelhouses. The Russian word for a vehicle pulled by three horses in a row gave rise to this term, which is the word used to refer to the economic movement that characterized Russian politics towards the end of the 20th century. Damn it, Orange Cat. <laughs> Sorry. Was that part of the question? <laughs> That's his hashtag. <laughs> Okay, so um, we're going to go ahead and lock in with uh, one of Gary's ideas because I have no idea. Um, so you guys can discuss. Okay. The only thing coming to my head at the moment is the chant that the uh, character in uh, Cool Runnings starts doing because of the other bobsled team. And he goes, Eins, Weins, Reins, whatever he says. So that's all I'm thinking of. So that's, that's, that's where I'm at. Those are German numbers. I know they're. <laughs> but uh, so I wrote down Bolshevik, which... I. Jeff told me is incorrect, but I, I felt proud that it was a word. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm not too versed on uh, the po- political era there. But I'm, uh, I'm not good at like late 20th century Russian politics. It's got to be a word that we we hear all the time in culture, and I'm just not pulling it. So yeah. what, what do you want to go with? I have I have no bearings on this either. Um, you just want to go with that, even though it's wrong. Sure. Let's, all right. let's We're just going to say the incorrect Bolshevik. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, we uh, we had a tough time with this as well, not uh, not being able to really know this. We had to try and come up with a few Russian words. The one that popped in my head, and it almost—I hope it's Russian. I think it's Russian. Um, was glasnost, and it sounds like something I remember hearing in roughly the '90s time frame. So that'd be the uh, the right time frame. Don't know what it means. I kind of like that it's. I actually appears to be a form of two different words together that one might have meant three and one horses by any chance. So. After, I've never heard that at all. So after we locked in, I looked it up on the side to make sure it wasn't inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> no. and That's it what was. I was doing. But we locked in with the glasnost. Yes. Okay. Well, um, no. Yeah. <laughs> I was hoping I was hoping three would maybe nudge on that direction. The answer is perestroika. Oh, 
Okay. I sort of remember that. It's, so it's it's not a word you hear every day. Yeah, it's funny because I was not thinking, like glasnost. I was trying to break that down <laughs> into something with a three, like the troika. But I figured, well, if this is going to be Russian, it's not going to be a root that I'm familiar with. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm surprised to hear that, honestly. So uh, you were close, though. By the way, when yeah. I looked it up, it, it yeah. was kind of like a political policy. Okay. Uh, question five. Technically, a listener submitted question. Which which baked treat is described on Wikipedia as, quote, a small biscuit typically made from ground almonds, coconut, and or other nuts with sugar and sometimes flavorings, food coloring, glacé cherries, jam, and or a chocolate coating. Pronunciation is going to matter on this one. Okay, so after some discussion, we are finally locked in. So you guys can say a few words if you want. I know what it is. <laughs> I, I mean, I know what it is now. I was just thinking about it going through the ingredients, and I can see it. I have no idea what it's called. And uh, um, Oh, wait. No. <laughs> I don't think it's a praline. Write down a cookie, Neil. Praline? Write down I'm going to go praline. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> okay, we're in. I'm going to hand it over to Gary for this one. All right. This this was interesting. Originally, I was thinking biscotti. I think there's a lot of almond in that. But the, uh, boy, the thinking of the ingredients and the coloring, I immediately went to those little colorful that looks like almost miniature hamburgers. Little sandwiches. Uh, little, little sandwichy things that I've seen on the Food Network a lot. Um, and they always confuse the name, hence pronunciation important, of macaron or macaroon. And I think what we're looking for is the macaron so that's what we're liking him with yeah yeah macaroon is the uh, the chocolate covered biscuit not the one that she was looking for macaron now yeah. and your answer is so we said praline okay uh, yeah so you were you were all over it the answer is macaroon macaron are the coconut ones dipped in chocolate and macron is the president of france <laughs> <laughs> but also a biscuit so the correct answer is macaroon. 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 Hmm. So we got mm-hmm. it wrong, but yeah. we were close. Yeah. I, you, were, you flipped them. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I, I knew there was a chance of that. That's about okay. A, about a 50-50 chance of that. I feel, <laughs> I feel happy about yep. where we landed. I mean, either way, one. Macron is also tasty. So. I'm really we, sorry. We were, we were about to go with biscotti, and I was just going to put my fingers together for the pronunciation and go biscotti. Biscotti. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Question number six. Castling is a move in chess which involves switching the rook, which is also known as the castle, with which other piece? Yeah, we're, we're going to lock in, by the way. So it goes like this, right? So they're locking yeah, in. Sure so which one do you switch with the Michael Rooker, is the question. <laughs> it looks like that. All right, that's what you want to lock in with? Or conversely, like that. What's up? That's what you want to use? I'm pretty sure that's what it okay. is. Yeah. Hopefully we'll get points here. All right, we're locked in as well. All right. Uh, let's start with Thanos' big stones. <laughs> I almost forgot about that. Um, It's nice to hear it a lot again. uh, Me and Gary had a brief discussion. I thought maybe it was the queen, but then ultimately we felt that the rook slid into the center and Gary was pretty sure and flips with the king. Uh, So on our end, uh, even though I share the same last name and spelling of Bobby Fisher, I do not know how to play chess. I once hired a 12-year-old to teach me. It did not go well. Uh, Jeff, what did we go with? Uh, I believe uh, along the same lines as you that it's the king that the... Uh, Rook switches places with. Yay! Finally, points all around. It's <laughs> oh, the king. Finally. Right. Yeah, I kind of remember that mainly because I get frustrated that the king only moves one little spot at a time. So it's the only way he gets his freedom and moves a little bit further. 
So after mm -hmm. uh, six questions, just really want, quickly want to jump in. It's 30 to 10. Uh, Thanos, big stones in the lead. Right, number seven. In 1982, a video game company bought the rights to make a game based on this movie and produced what is considered to be one of the worst video games of all time. Oh, we are Name in. Name the movie. Yes, <laughs> finally. Same here. Oh. <laughs> Go ahead, Neil. That would be E.T., the extraterrestrial. Yeah, E.T. for mm -hmm. Atari, I believe. Do you guys know which state the extra cartridges are allegedly buried in? Because that was the second part of the question. Probably New Jersey. Knocked out. No, it's, uh, it's, in, <laughs> it's on the West Coast. Uh, they have a doc documentary with Zach Penn, the writer of uh, Ready Player One. I think it's... Um, I could be wrong. It's probably like uh, Nevada or somewhere on the West, I think. Urban Legend says New Mexico. I have not independently verified. Number eight. That was a feel-good question. Number eight. Smokey the Bear was created in 1944 to replace this forest-dwelling Disney character whose film includes an epic wildfire scene when the lease on that character ran out. Name the Disney character. Mm -hmm. It's a well-worded question when the lease right, ran we, out. Uh, we came to a consensus, so we are locked in. I was trying to think of scenes from Disney that I were... I was thinking yeah, early or, Disney films where yeah. there was a forest fire. Well, I mean, we can only go so far back with Disney, so 39 would be Snow White. Um, yeah. And I'm trying to think... 40 or 41 was Dumbo. What about the rabbit from Bambi? Thumper? Yeah. Um, but he doesn't die, does he? Not in that. Oh. No. Um, but it's not about dying. It's about the lease running out. I've got no better guess than that. All I'm right. just trying to think. Isn't there a fire in Dumbo too? That's not a forest fire, though, right? There's no. a lot of fires in these movies. Yes. Okay. Yeah, we're we're gonna go with Thumper. No, we know it's wrong. Yeah, uh, we both wrote down Bambi, but uh, Thumper might be a good answer. But uh, we're going with Bambi. Uh, Thumper is a good answer. Bambi is a better answer. Bambi is the correct answer. Good job. So it wasn't that bad of an answer. We should just went with it. That's the like final scene of Bambi, right? The big forest fire. I've only seen Bambi once when I was a kid, and I. Yeah, I don't remember any of I that. I watched more violent movies that's just instead, so... <laughs> I mean, Bambi's mom <laughs> yeah. gets iced. That's true. It's funny, too, because it's by a mobster. It's like a really weird twist. <laughs> <With> piano <laughs> wire. Yeah. Number nine. AstroTurf was the trademarked name for artificial grass until everyone started using it and the term became generic. The product was first widely publicized in 1966 when it was used in an arena in what city? U.S. city. Yeah, we're uh, we're gonna lock this in. Yeah, I, I'm I'm at a loss here. I'm not, I'm trying to think through all these teams, but I, I just I can't see pictures in my head of of an old team like that on turf right now. Guess, Jeffrey, it's up to you. Um, I, I would think it would be like a northern team where they built a dome. All right, let's just go uh, just for kicks. We're gonna go Minnesota Twins. Okay, so uh, Gary came up with this one, and uh, after he said it. Uh, I realized this might be what Jason would call a DTQ, a oh. douchey trick question. So the Astros. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm pretty pretty sure it was named after the team uh, who played in the stadium, which was the Houston Astros. So Houston. I'm not entirely sure that makes it a douchey question, but yeah, that is the answer. It it felt like the opposite of a trick. It right. felt like they were giving you the answer almost. Right. Yeah. It was so obvious. Jeff even said it, and then didn't. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Anyway. I stopped my thought. I was going to say, oh, AstroTurf is probably has to do with like NASA and Texas. And so I was going to lean towards Texas, but I couldn't think of the well, Astros. Well, that's why I wasn't huh. thinking about the Astros because I know the Space Center's there in Houston. So I thought that was for sure mm -hmm. um, just about space and not about the, the turf. So I had no idea. Okay. The, yeah, the, the trade name came from the fact that it was used in the Astrodome, I believe. I wish Matt was here. This is a question that panders to Matt. Sorry. 
I, by the way, I noticed this to Neil. I have no actual proof that he exists, and I'm Every not convinced he's around, not just he's a robot. Gone, yeah. yeah, right? Like, are you sure he's not just a super clever trivia AI you guys are developing up there? Uh, well, no comment. He's the best we could do. He's a, yeah. <laughs> he's a Watson. Yeah, Gary, too. Gary did not meet him in Boston at Geek Bowl, and then he left like five minutes before Gary got here. So Gary's never seen him either. So. It's all very yeah. suspicious. Yeah. <laughs> They've got crude drawing sketches of him, but I, I'm not buying it. <laughs> I'm not convinced. Okay, number 10. Some folks believe the NBA rigged the 1985 entry draft so Patrick Ewing would go to the New York Knicks. How do people claim this was done? Whatever you think. I have no idea. No clue. So. Yeah. Okay, we're in. So you're locked. I, I can't yeah. read what you wrote. Oh, uh, so we, we put bone spurs. <laughs> I, I remember allegations of tampering in the NBA draft with the whole draft lottery ping pong ball system, but I thought it was the time when uh, Orlando won back-to-back um, when they got Shaquille, and before that they got Hardaway, I think. Um, but it, I thought the story was they tampered with the ping pong balls like they chilled them so when they uh, – uh, when they drew them, they could tell which one was the one with the uh, the team's name that they hmm. wanted. Maybe that originated earlier for the Knicks here. So uh, we're so, going to say... So cold balls. Yes. Tampered <laughs> with balls. That's more of an NFL thing, tampering with the balls. But Yes, it's an ageless, timeless <laughs> strategy. So this was back when they would draw an envelope out of a bin, and people claimed that they had frozen the envelope. So this was called the frozen envelope theory. But um, you got the heart of it. You said they froze the thing they pulled out of the tub. So I'll give it to you. Thank you. Nice, nice. Okay. So at the end of the first round, it is 20 to 70. Still uh, going towards Thanos' big stones right now. Moving into <laughs> the uh, swing round. Swing round is going to work like this. It is a $25,000 pyramid swing round. I'm going to give you 10 sets of three things. You are going to give me the smallest possible group that all three of these things belong to. So for example, if I gave you wombat, wallaby, and sugar glider, mm -hmm. yeah, they're all animals. Marsupial. Yeah, they're all mammals. Most specifically, they're all marsupials, exactly. Okay. Okay. So that's 10 for um, five each? Yes. Okay. 10 questions, five points for each question. Sounds good. And I will spell where needed if you want me to spell stuff after that, just let me know. Okay. Number one. Saguaro, spelled S-A-G-U-A-R-O, Barbary Fig, and Escobaria, spelled E-S-C-O-B-A-R-I-A. -A. Number two, George Clinton, Hannibal Hamlin, John Breckenridge. Number three, Waterford, Wicklow, Cork. Number four, Adam West, Val Kilmer, George Clooney. Number five, bench press, squat, deadlift. Number six, Michael Thompson, spelled M-Y-C-H-A-E-L, Thompson. Hakeem Olajuwon. Michael Olawokandi, O-L-O-W-O-K-A-N-D-I. Number seven, Rene Magritte, Meretz Oppenheim, Yves Tongi. Last one spelled Y-V-E-S-T-A-N-G-U-Y. Number eight, the Minnesota Wild, the Nashville Predators, and the Florida Panthers. Number nine, Julia and Pearl Connor, 
Emmeline Sigrand, C-I-G-R-A-N-D, and the Piezel family, P-I-E-T-E-Z-E-L. Number 10, my car, my cat, Milan, M-I-L-A-N. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, after some discussion, both teams are back with their answers. And uh, Aaron, if we can run down the list, we'll give you our answers. Sure. Number one, Saguaro, Barbary Fig, Escobaria. Uh, so that one, we weren't too sure. And then at, at the last moment, um, I just thought of cigars for some reason. So that's what we went with. And uh, Gary saved us on this one. Um, yeah, saguaro is definitely that common cactus you see in all the Roadrunner cartoons. Mm-hmm. So those must all be cactus, cacti. Cacti. That makes sense. They are all types of cactus. Number two, George Clinton, Hannibal Hamlin, John Breckenridge. So initially, we said that they were all members of the uh, funky parliament. <laughs> That's what I was thinking too, man. <laughs> <laughs> then Jeff was like, I think they're vice presidents. So we went with vice presidents. Yep. U.S. vice presidents. Yep. They might be funky, though. I was listening to you guys talk about that. I'm like, please do not talk yourself out of another right answer. So, yeah, they're all vice presidents. Number three, Waterford, Wicklow, Cork. Um, so we weren't sure. I, I've heard of the word uh, Waterford crystals before. I don't know what they have to do. So we were between crystal and wine just because cork. Um, so we went with crystal. And uh, me and Gary nice. thought these were... Um, Cities in Ireland. Yeah, we know they're all Ireland. It's a matter of cities or counties, so we want cities. Uh, either would be acceptable because each county has a city named after the Close. county it is in. Nice. Um, yeah, and I wrote this before you guys decided that I live in Ireland, so that was a coincidence. Right. Jeff said it too. We were like, oh, maybe it was too he, much of a coincidence. Yeah, you, yeah, you did that. God, it was sitting here was killing me. I should have just walked away. <laughs> Number four, Adam West, Val Kilmore, George Clooney. Okay. I think we finally got one. Na 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 na. Batman. Batman. <laughs> yes, those of all all people who have played Batman. Nice bang pound. Number five, <laughs> bench press, squat, deadlift. Uh, this would be uh, Jeff's uh, later on today, uh, but it does is weightlifting. Yeah, I was, I was I was seeing about being more specific for that, but as close as we could get was weightlifting. Um, I'll, I'll give points for it, but specifically, those are the three power lifts. Okay. Number six, Michael Thompson, Hakeem Olajuwon, Michael Olawokandi. 
So um, we knew that these were basketball players. Uh, Hakeem Olajuwon, I think we said, was on the Rockets. Uh, we weren't sure if all of these players were on the Rockets at one point or another. And I believe the last name you said, he could be the player that's playing with a mask right now. But uh, we weren't sure if we should go team or position. Uh, but we ended up um, to be more specific. Well, actually, we'll just say, um, yeah, we went with centers. They all played center in basketball. Yeah, interesting. We knew they were all NBA as well. Uh, I'm pretty sure that Oluwakandi is from African descent. I'm pretty confident that uh, um, Olajuwon is. I'm not sure about Thompson, but that's the direction we went was the NBA from Africa. From the continent of Africa, yeah. What I was looking for was these were all first-round draft picks in the NBA. More specifically, they were all they were the first three non-Americans to be drafted first overall. Yeah, um, yeah. Michael Thompson is from the Bahamas. However, they also do all play center. So I will give points to Team Triviality for finding an answer I didn't oh, know was an answer. There you go. Yeah, I knew Olajuwon was a first pick. I thought about going that way too. but That's okay. Yeah. All right, number seven, Rene Magritte, Merit Oppenheim, Yves Tongi. I have no idea. Uh, Neil and I thought they were all artists, so knowing Magritte, we said they were all surrealists. Yep, that's kind of where we went to, is uh, surrealists. Cool, that is correct. They're all surrealist artists. Number eight, the Minnesota Wild, the Nashville Predators, the Florida Panthers. What do they have in common? Um, aside from the fact that they're all NHL teams, um, I think they all play in the uh, East, so we said they, they all play in the East. Uh, we had a discussion about this and thought maybe it was... The mask. I thought maybe it was the mascots, and uh, Gary brought up a good point that he said they all came in on the same expansion. Well, oh. not the same expansion, but they were all expansion teams into the NHL. Okay. Oh, okay. Uh, don't know if that's specific enough for what you're looking for, or if it's totally off base. But damn, that's another one that is technically true. These are all teams that have never won the Stanley Cup. Oh, okay. I think your that's list is your for. list is much more specific. So I think no points yeah. on that one. I agree with that. Okay. Uh, and number number nine, Julia and Pearl Connor, Emmeline Sigrand, and the Pietzel family. We had no idea on this one, so we just said they were all mafia families. <laughs> and we also had no idea, so this is bound to be extremely offensive when we find out what the correct answer is. <laughs> but we said they were uh, serial killers. You guys were close. This was my nod to Chicago. These were the list of H.H. Holmes' Holmes' oh, yeah. victims. Oh, yeah. okay. Yep. And the old murder house or whatever I was they I thinking it. of... <laughs> I had the right thing going. Number 10, my car, my cat, Milan. We had so much trouble with this one. We, we were like, oh, maybe it's orange because of orange cat, like insider reference. Uh, we thought it could have been like a rap lyric or something. I We just put orange. We didn't know. We also put orange. Yes, orange is the new cat. <laughs> okay. <laughs> my, my one cat is orange. My other cat is black. My car is blue. Those are all things that I am too sexy for. Oh, ah, right, right, that's right. of course. Yeah, that's yep. a good question. Yeah, you said lyric. I'm like, maybe he's going to get it. I, mean, uh, I wasn't yeah. even going in that direction, but that's, yep, that's it. If she yeah, said, that's a great question. Now, if question. she said Milan, I would have had it. Yeah, that's true. You need to rhyme with Japan. So after the swing round, we racked up an additional 30 points, and Team Triviality got 25 points. So that brings you guys to what? Almost a score. Yep, 45. 45. And we are at 100. All right, so plenty of catching up you can do. Question number one in round two. What innovation in sports broadcasting, which debuted in 1998, won two technical Emmy Awards that year? I'll go with that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right, we're in. Uh, Jeff wrote um, the first downline, 
uh, like the marker, the um, I don't the, know, the live projection. Yeah, the live projection of the first down marker uh, that they can move. No, I think that came out earlier than that, and I'm pretty sure ABC developed that technology, and then everybody wanted it immediately. Um, I remember that being a big breakthrough, but I feel like that was earlier than '98. So okay, and we wrote down Red Zone, the where you can see all the games at once, which isn't really a technological breakthrough, but maybe for 1998. Uh, and the other thing was, but I feel like this was earlier too. We were saying the the. the I'm pretty uh, sure that was way earlier. Yeah, the pen where they yeah. can like draw on, you know draw plays on the TV. So without having anything else, we're just gonna go the uh, first down, football first down projection or however you say it, <laughs> whatever it is. Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, Thanos, big stones. We uh, we kind of were thinking down the same lines. Um, we discussed the. Horrible glowing hockey puck as a possibility, which I can't imagine won too many awards. Um, and we did end up with the first down line being projected onto the TV screen. All right. It debuted in September of 98 in a game between the Bengals and the Ravens. That's the first down line. Nice. nice. Yeah, the glowing puck, you're correct, won zero awards and was like a couple seasons earlier. Number two, Rocky Horror is notably missing a part of his anatomy. What part is that? I haven't seen this in a while. Um, Transylvania, transsexual, transvestite. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the lyrics. What he says. Um, oh no, Rocky. Rocky's the is uh, Harry or um, Barry Bostwick. That's. Um, I don't think he has a. <laughs> I could be wrong. We're just gonna go. We're gonna go uh, penis. Barry Bostwick is not Rocky. I don't remember. I haven't seen um, that in so long. Rocky is the model guy who uh, Dr. Frank Inferter creates. And uh, since he's created and not born, he's missing a belly button. Ah, that's right. That's right. Yep, that, that is true. He's missing a belly button. I wouldn't ask a question that would make you say penis on your family-friendly show. All right. Number three is a bit wordy. It's got some layers, so just hang with me on this. And Jeff, feel free to correct my pronunciation. <laughs> Jeff. Number three. I know, I know you will whether I ask you to or not. So number three. If you start driving in the capital of the state, whose abbreviation is the same as the atomic symbol for Nihonium, N-I-H-O-N-I-U-M, and finish driving in the capital of the state, whose abbreviation is the same as the atomic number for Mietnerium, M-I-E-T-N-E-R-I-U-M, how many time zones have you been in on that drive, assuming you didn't take any reckless detours? Wow, I think we were at least two time zones just hearing that question. <laughs> okay. I think. Okay, so then that's not it then. So it's been Michigan or Mississippi? Well, the, the odds are in our favor. Let's just go one time zone. Okay, that's fine. We're going to go with one. All right. We, uh, I wasn't familiar with these uh, elements, um, but Nihonium, I know NI is nickel, so probably the next most likely is NH. New Hampshire, which is Concord, so we start in the eastern time zone. Uh, Metinarium, I kind of figured maybe the first two consonants and went MT for Montana, which is Helena. Uh, the next trick to this is figuring out if that's in the western or the Pacific or the mountain. I'm pretty sure it's the mountain, which would give us the mountain central and eastern for three time zones. Yep, I won't bother repeating all of that. Uh, Thanos Big Stones got it correct. It is three time zones. MT. Hmm. Just for the record, I did not get it correct. <laughs> it's all Gary. Number four. Originally designed as a show car for the 1953 Motorama display at the New York Auto Show, this model of car was manufactured starting in the 1953 model year and was available in pennant blue, sportsman red, 
polo white or black? We're locked in. So I'm almost positive. So she's not saying it's only available that year. Yeah, that's and, fine. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'd go any Any way. guess is as good as another, so. Yeah. Let's go with your thing. Yeah, okay. We're locking in with Mustang. Um, that's a good guess. I believe the first model year for the Mustang was actually 64 and a half. Um, weirdly enough, they made like a half run model year before they... That was pretty common for manufacturers back then. Um, I'm pretty sure that the Corvette got its start in 1953, and Neil seemed to agree with that, so we went with Corvette. Funny enough, that was our other guess. <laughs> well, that would have been a good guess. The answer is Corvette. Yeah, I love that 53 Corvette. It's got a great uh, side, whatever you call that on a car. They were they were awful. They look great, though. No, they don't. Have you ever seen I, one in person? Well, don't question my artistic uh, appreciation, Jeff. Okay, no, the manufacturing techniques were terrible. They're all lumpy, and they're they're awfully built. So wow. I'm, I'm driving down the highway the other day, and I come across a Ferrari, and it's got uh, butterflies on it and snakeskin pattern over the whole thing, and it's like white with black lines on it. And there's snakes on it. And I'm just like, why would somebody do that to a Ferrari? <laughs> it was it made because me, they can exactly made sure. me cry that somebody with that taste has that much money. All right, number five. This procedure, now largely frowned upon, was used on patients and was designed to disrupt problematic brain circuits. It was awarded the Nobel Prize in 1949. We're locked in. Or, feel, feel like or, we have one on. of these right now. <laughs> this one they okay. did a, they did a lot of stuff that's yeah. kind of right. upon we're now. in two and we are locking in <laughs> with electrotherapy or shock treatment um, team triviality neil had alluded to the fact that we feel like we may have had this before um it's very effective in treating seizures um but it's not very kind to lobotomize somebody that so we our, said lobotomy. that was our second choice too yeah the answer is lobotomy oh, there you go number six quivenzana wallace is the youngest person to be nominated for Best Actress Oscar. She received this nomination for her portrayal of Hush Puppy, a child genius living with her dying father in the lowlands outside of New Orleans during Hurricane Katrina in what 2012 movie? I was the wrong one. I'm good, though. Are we good? Uh, yeah. Okay. All right, we're lacking in with Beasts of the Southern Wild. We had the same Beasts of the Southern Wild. Yep, that is the correct answer. I was going to make you guys spell Kofenzina, but that seemed mean. I, w I started writing Whale Rider, and then I was like, wait a minute. Well, no, I wrote Beasts of the Southern Wild, and I was like, Beasts of the Nation. I'm like, no, 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 no that, that's Idris. That's Idris. <laughs> <laughs> We're just speaking another language right now. Number seven. In the 1948 UK edition of the classic board game Clue, what was Mr. Green's title? It was changed to Mr for American audiences because they didn't think people would be able to believe a person with this title could be a murderer. All right, uh, after some discussion, we are gonna lock in with the guests. Okay, I'm pretty sure it's a religious figure. Type. Yeah, we wrote down father, pastor, bishop, lord. Lord isn't really, but we put preacher. Father, preacher, yeah. I mean, it's it's something in there, I'm pretty sure, because I feel like I've heard this one before. We definitely um, had this reverend, in trivia Could before. it be reverend? Could be a reverend. Um, Reverend? Okay. Yeah, why not? It's got a nice got a nice ring to it. All right, we're going to go Reverend. Green. I think you might be onto something uh, with the religious figure, but uh, we went with more like um, titles, and we are just going to go with Lord Green. Hey, it, it brings me great joy to watch you guys back into correct answers. The answer is Reverend. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the minute they said it, that sounded familiar. 
Nice pull, Jeff. Yep. I do remember we had that one. one In time. the Def Jam's version, it's a uh, Rev Run is is the player. Yes, it's Rev Run Green. Yeah. <laughs> Number eight. First appearing in the Odyssey, this Greek hunter impressed Zeus so much that he was placed among the stars as a constellation. We're in. So initially I wrote down uh, Ulysses and Odysseus, but uh, Ulysses, uh, I think it's from Ulysses and Odysseus, could be from the Odyssey, I can't remember. But then I remembered uh, an old movie studio distributor, Orion, uh, and also the constellation. I believe that's the dude with the archery. Sounds about right. Right. So we're going to go Orion based on, on that. Um, yeah, oddly enough, because we had Orion as an answer on the previous episode that we recorded today. Um, we went with Orion as well, though I don't believe he has a bow. I think he has a club or something like that. Sagittarius has the bow. Oh, that's right. Um, yeah, the answer is Orion. He actually does have a bow and a sword, oh, which okay. I know because I, I have him on my arm, which is why I'm oh. trying to sit on my hand. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Number nine of this 1990 box office bust, star Kevin Bacon famously said, I broke down and fell to the sidewalk, screaming to my pregnant wife, I can't believe I'm doing a movie about underground worms. We're in. All right, we're in as well. Uh, I was first, um, right. So um, just recently, actually, uh, on uh, Sci-Fi, the, uh, the channel, they were doing a um, sort of a continuation of this movie and TV series, and it did star Kevin Bacon. Much to the surprise of all the fans, though, they did not pick this show up. Uh, for series, which is kind of crazy because there's a movie star in it, but it would be the 1990 movie Tremors. Yep, we also went mm-hmm. with Tremors. All right. And number 10. This actress, perhaps better known for being naked in 1933 Czech film, also patented a method that protects radio communications by switching frequencies in a prearranged pattern. Oh, Neil, you look like you're in pain. Oh, I got it. Okay. I, I, ju- I saw a whole documentary about her, and I couldn't remember her name for a second. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it now. Oh, it's not Mae West. It's uh, Holly Goodlight. No, not Holly Goodlightly. Um, it sounds. It's kind of sexual. The name. Um, I'm not on purpose. Oh my god. Hooters McBoobitis. <laughs> I can't believe I'm not going to get there. So this actress, everyone kind of looked at. They, you know, said that she was like a floozy and things like that because she did nudity, but she actually was super, super smart and created a lot of patents that. We still use today, and she was like a brilliant. She never really got credit for it, right? She never really financially, got credit. right? So they kind of screwed her over. Um, Neil doesn't really know stuff about old Hollywood, so it's understandable that he doesn't know this. Me. <laughs> We're gonna have to fold. I'm sorry. Hedy Lamar. Yes, that's it. <laughs> that yes, that is it. All you had to do was you tell me that. that Blazing Saddles. They have the girl in, her, in the movie. Her name's Hetty. How would I know that? I, I don't know. You should have. Blazing Saddles. You should have. I would have gotten it then. Okay. So at the end of two rounds and a swing round, uh, we have Team Triviality at 115 and Thanos' Big Stones at 170. Mm. All right. Your final is going to be in these five categories. Question one, name that element. Question two, famous places. Question three, art history. Question four, what is this, a crossover episode? And question five, a tip of the tinfoil hat. Okay, so all the bets are in. So without further ado, please let's get those questions. Number one, name that element. It is atomic number 96. It is created by bombarding plutonium with helium ions. And it was named after one of only two people to win Nobel prizes in two different subjects. Number two, famous places. What is the name of the New York City establishment that President Obama designated as a national monument in 2016 
47 years after it claimed a pivotal place in LGBT rights history. I'm going to double check my math on that real fast. Oh, yeah, I got it. Bam! Yes! <laughs> yeah, the math is right. Number three, art history. Beginning in 1885, this Russian-based French jewelry house made works of art that were given to members of the Russian royal family to celebrate what holiday? Number four, what is this, a crossover episode? In mid-February of this year, Richmond native Russell Wilson arrived at training camp for which professional sports team? And number five, a tip of the tinfoil hat. Some folks believe that the New World Order has their headquarters beneath the airport that serves which U.S. city? They cite the unusual shape of the airport, as well as its distance from the metropolitan area that it serves. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances— I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jane Perlez, longtime foreign correspondent and former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. I've been a foreign correspondent in lots of places, Somalia, Indonesia, Pakistan, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I mean, China is not dropping anti-democratic paratroopers into Montana. But of course, we did see things like the weather balloon slash spy balloon riveting the whole country for a week. This is Face Off, an eight-part series in which we'll take you behind the scenes to key moments in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. We'll speak with a diplomat, a spy, a tech reporter, a U.S. admiral, even Yo-Yo Ma. Plus, my pal and noted China historian Rana Mitter joins the conversation. We'll look at what's driving the two nations apart and explore whether anything can help bring them back together. Face Off launches... April 9th. Okay, so here, here's my logic, and this is only for Aaron's pleasure. <laughs> um, all right, I'm not going to go the Mariners because it's too easy. It's probably right, and we, we're going to lose this game, we're, we're, but we're not going to go Mariners. So I'm going to say it's either L.A. or New York. Yeah. Aaron was pissed, so they went to L.A. and not the D.C. Web Fest. <laughs> so we'll go, we'll go New York. Really? We'll go the Yankees. Well, I mean, playfully pissed. Question number one, name that element. It is atomic number 96. It is created by bombarding plutonium with helium ions, and it was named after one of only two people to win Nobel Prizes in two different subjects. Team Triviality, about 30. What'd you guess? So um, immediately I started to go to um, Nobel Prize winning physicists. So I thought maybe Einsteinium. I know it's in the 90s somewhere. And then uh, we circled back to it later, and, and I believe uh, Marie Curie won 
two different Nobel Prizes and two different subjects, one being physics and I think maybe the other one being uh, medicine. So we said curium. Thanos, big stones, but 10. What was your answer? And we went the same sort of direction. We um, were thinking about somebody who had won different uh, awards in two fields. I was pretty sure I had heard Marie Curie had, so we also went curium. All right, and the answer is curium. Nice, Jeff. Einsteinium is number 99, by the way, Jeff. I knew it was in the 90s. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Question number two, what is the name of the New York City establishment that President Obama designated as a national monument in 2016, 47 years after it claimed a pivotal place in LGBT rights history? Team Thanos, Big Stones, Vet 10. What was your answer? Yeah, this really bothered me because I, I know kind of about the, you know, event and events that triggered this and... Um, the location just somewhere in my brain, but I couldn't come up with it. So we're just going Greenwich Village Square. Team Triviality bet 20. What'd you guys say? So Neil immediately wrote down an answer, which I, I agree with. And if, if we're right, um, 99% Invisible did a really good episode on the history of uh, Stonewall. Yep, that's it. Is the Stonewall Inn in New York? If you wanted more specificity, I did write in in parentheses. But <laughs> oh. Stonewall's just fine. Perfect. Number three in art history. Beginning in 1885, this Russian-based French jewelry house made works of art that were given to members of the Russian royal family to celebrate what holiday? I knew that. Thanos Big Stones, you guys bet 10? Correct. What was your answer? You know, I, I thought you were going one direction. I thought it was Fabergé when you were talking about it, and I was very frustrated when the question was what holiday. And then I says, well, Fabergé eggs, maybe it was for Easter. So let's let's go Easter. All right. And Team Triviality bet zero, but just for kicks, what was your answer? Well, we, we also were on that train of thought. We said Swavorsky and Fabergé, but we ended up, for some reason, leaning towards Swavorsky with the Russian element. Uh, so we didn't know what to put, so we just put Valentine's Day. <laughs> okay. Yeah, the answer is Easter. It was Fabergé was the design house. Nice. Uh, I, wish, I believe Swarovski is Austrian. Uh, that makes sense. Not French. It's not Dutch. But I don't know. <laughs> no, Neil. No, she's not Dutch. It's like I'm like a I'm like a werewolf of like the moon. It's like no, don't turn, don't turn. <laughs> this might have been unfair. It was big news here because he's from here. But um, in mid February of this year, Richmond native Russell Wilson arrived at training camp for which professional sports team? Uh, Thanos Big Stones. What did you guys say? Yeah, we bet ten. I was pretty sure this was baseball, um, and I couldn't remember what team it was. So we kind of just ran through a couple teams and ended up with the Brewers. All right. And Team Triviality, y'all bet 20. What was your answer? So our logic was we knew that we were going to go down, unlike DJ Khaled. And um, so we knew that the easy answer would be uh, the Seattle Mariners, which we had written down initially. And Aaron had heard all this conversation. Then we, we said, well, Russell Wilson's always on red carpet, so it could be L.A. Dodgers or New York Yankees or maybe Atlanta Braves for some reason came down to L.A. and New York. Erin uh, wasn't angry, but she was upset that I went to L.A. for a film festival. So we just knocked that one out for fun. And we said, let's just go New York Yankees. So that's what we went with. So my favorite part of this is that, Neil, you managed to back your way into the correct answer by using completely irrelevant information. (laughs) (laughs) He was, I believe he was drafted by the Rockies. And I don't think he has a whole lot of say in who his rights get traded to because he is, in fact, an NFL quarterback. Right. Yeah, he is currently the property of the New York Yankees. Yeah, I want to say he was drafted. He was drafted right. by the and Rockies f- when he was in the NFL, or before he t- it was in the NFL. I'm trying to remember. 
But yeah. He so he was like he was always going to be the kid that played baseball, and he went to UNC to play baseball, and then they he kind of went, oh, I'm really good at football too. Moved to Wisconsin for his last year. Um, yep. I was at that Big Ten championship playing football, game. and I think that was cool. Um, I saw him. I saw him play in high school because he was here. Um, but I think he was drafted before he graduated, before the NC State. And I mean, I could be making this totally up, but anyway. I think he was drafted to the MLB first and then NFL afterwards, yep. but he's now a very successful football player. What made me not feel too bad about end up ending up going with that answer because we didn't know was that, like I said before, I think earlier in this episode, John Elway was drafted by the Yankees to play baseball and he was a quarterback. So he had a really good arm. So I just mm. figured, well, well, you certainly made up for your Hedy Lamar. Yeah. Well, on accident, it wasn't like I was smart or anything. It, just ha- <laughs> <not happened. laughs> it wasn't like I was, was smart. A- episode title. <laughs> you just strung some sentences together and ended up saying the right answer at the end of it. Good job. Some folks believe the New World Order has their headquarters beneath the airport that serves which U.S. city? They cite the unusual shape of the airport as well as its distance from the metropolitan area it serves. Triviality had 15. What'd y'all guess? So, Neil and I were just trying to go through a list of airports that aren't necessarily close to their metropolitan area. We couldn't think of a bunch of them. Um, We know McCarran in Vegas isn't super close to the city. And, uh, you know, we thought maybe it kind of fits with the the whole feeling out there. So we said Las Vegas. It's not a bad guess. Um, we just uh, kind of hedged our bets and went New York, though, since New York was the answer for the last question. Not so sure. <laughs> yeah, the correct answer is Denver. Oh, Ooh, the Denver airport. You did say Denver. It's a really cool looking airport. It looks like a bunch of teepees out in the middle of nowhere. It's I definitely see where that conspiracy theory would come from. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can scarcely believe it. Ken looks so pissed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So to conclude the game, it looks like uh, Team Triviality racked up some extra points in that final round. Well, uh, Team Thanos dropped one to 160. Uh Team Triviality increased their points to 170, came back in the 11th hour, crushed Thanos' big stones in their palm, and uh, looks like you're the cream of the crop. The Macho Man Randy Savage is not happy with your decision, yeah. I am the cream! I'd like to dedicate this win to <laughs> the ghost of Hedy Lamar. You ripped our, you ripped the stones right off the Infinity Gauntlet. That, that was a very stressful game. Very, very well-hosted game and well-written game, Aaron. Thank you. That was fun. And Gary, uh, awesome playing against you. It's it's intimidating because you're you're pulling these answers from he's, places. He's a we good teammate, know. man. Yeah, he really yeah. Yeah. You you pulled the one that counted with New York. That was the <laughs> difference. But it was an awesome back and forth uh, before it was over anyway. Back and forth game that yeah. uh, ended up extremely competitive. That was that was a lot of fun. <laughs> it's a good slugfest. Uh, Aaron, where where can everyone find Orange Cat Trivia? On Facebook, if you search for Orange Cat Trivia, you will see pictures of my orange cat and other things as well. You'll probably find them in the the link in the show notes, too. Yep, that sounds good. <laughs> yes. Uh, Gary, anyone you'd like He's to, right next to me. say hi to, plug anything? Um, no, not really. I uh, just want to thank you guys yeah. for um, for letting me join you. I certainly enjoyed it. Um, I, I intend on being your next Patreon donor. Oh, so, well, thank, uh, thank you so much. So uh, I, I feel it's worth it, and you guys are uh, definitely deserving. Thank you. Hey, no, thank much you. Much appreciated. Uh, and thank you to all of you who already support the show. Um, it really does mean a lot to us. Um, we 
we've been funneling all of those funds into developing the show. Um, you know, that's what it's there for. Uh, we don't really take a cut of any of that. So yeah, we don't pay ourselves. <laughs> we put everything toward the show. We we try to make the show as best as, as we can for you and for the listeners. Hey, you guys have been taking a cut. No, I think <laughs> just kind of, yeah. I think uh, <laughs> I think going forward, we're going to be looking to maybe extend out a little bit. Maybe do a couple more episodes, even a month. But that's going to require bringing an editor on board. So hopefully, that's something that we can be able to do going forward. But uh, if you already support the show, again, a big thank you to those people. Let me recap the. Sure. Uh, while Jeff's uh, pulling up the numbers, uh, yeah, thanks, Gary, once again uh, for making the drive up here. And it was like an hour drive and really appreciate it. We'll have to have you on the show again, whether it's Skype or in person. Um, where, where's the place you normally go to trivia every week, your main place? Yeah, it's a place they call Egghead Pub Trivia, and they toast that in a variety of locations in the Gurney and Libertyville area. Oh, wonderful. So. Uh, Egghead Trivia. And then we already talked to you guys about Orange Cat Trivia. So make sure you check that out to support Erin. She's uh, one of our uh, our favorite uh, guest hosts and listeners and helpers and Patreon supporters. So all around. So um, make sure you help uh, help her out. Jeff? So specifically, since the last time we updated, a big thank you to David Brown, uh, our newest uh, patron and supporter. Uh, if you'd like to join David and all the other people who have claimed their belts uh, on Patreon, uh, just go to patreon.com slash triviality podcast and uh, you'll see the listing of all the extras, uh, including bonus episodes and other great content that we have there for you. So if you'd like to support us and you feel we've earned it, we'd appreciate it again. Uh, patreon.com slash triviality podcast. Yeah. And uh, one more thing. We just had our listener submitted episode, our yearly episode. So that means we have no listener submitted questions. So make sure you guys send those in. Uh, go to, Either go to the website, trivialitypodcast.com or trivialitypodcast at gmail.com yeah special thanks to everybody um i guess without further ado i'll go ahead and close the show neil jeff and uh, our special guests today gary and aaron and i'm ken that was triviality i'm just a sweet transvestite from transsexual Transylvania <laughs> hey, hey, I'm just a sweet transvestite Transvestite From transsexual Transylvania